This is Westfair Business Buzz from Westfair Communications, publisher of the Westchester County Business Journal. I'm Peter Katz. With COVID-19, people are starting to pay attention to the air that they breathe. And we talked to HVAC expert Bud Hammer, president of Atlantic Westchester, a commercial heating, ventilation, and air conditioning company based in Bedford Hills, about air quality in buildings. COVID has essentially changed everything as far as people beginning to pay attention to the air that they're breathing. Um, because of this uh, disease being so contagious uh, and not really knowing where it is, uh, it's been talked about that human to human has been, I guess, the biggest source of transmission. However, uh, there's very uh, big concerns about transmission through contact surfaces such as doorknobs or countertops or uh, desk drawers or something like that, you know, coffee machines. Um, in addition to not really knowing if it can transmit itself uh, with air uh, being blown around in a, um, like in a building office duct system. So by paying attention to now um, having people come back into buildings and not really knowing what may or may not lurk out there, um, many building owners and operators have reached out to us to ask how, they, how can they try to ensure that at least the air that's in the building uh, is safe. And um, there's been overwhelming um, attention paid to this kind of thing, uh, and it started about three weeks ago, just as we were kind of beginning to look at when we would start reoccupying buildings. Uh, it was easier to, to plan for, um, I guess, the future compared to what we had been through. Has Atlantic Westchester been very busy as a result of this? You're getting lots of calls uh, for. We we are now. Uh, we were um, not too busy through, uh, in, I guess, about the third week of March until uh, the near uh, beginning of May, and then once weather turned, there was a need to uh, begin activating air conditioning systems and doing seasonal changeovers and and whatnot. Um, because one of the, the big things that was also a concern is as the weather warmed up outside, if buildings were empty and um, operators had shut down their systems, you, you don't want uh, high humidity in a, in a building that's warm because that could become a breeding ground for uh, mold or other issues. Uh, so people had to kind of turn on their air conditioning. And um, with the warm weather, and the timing of the, the pause being um, kind of lifted in phases, uh, it all kind of came together, and uh, we got busy, and we're very busy right now. What are some of the things that uh, you recommend uh, to people? Is it, is it just a matter of changing filters, or, or do systems have to be upgraded? You know, what, what can be done to, to try to hold down the spread of this virus through a building's uh, air conditioning system? I think it all goes to what a building owner has as an existing system from a sophistication point of view. Um, we've been very careful not to sound alarms that uh, there's danger lurking inside. So um, we've taken a conservative approach and tried to do research on technology that just focuses on cleaning uh, air as it's recirculated through a building. Um, not really knowing 
whether or not COVID is uh, transmissionable, if that's a word, or transferable, or uh, can be spread uh, from one space to another through an HVAC system, uh, we didn't want to make any statements that were uh, found out to be untrue. Um, however, you know, we've all become accustomed to just the basic hygienic, common-sense things, and that is, you know, keep wiping down surfaces, uh, wear a mask when you're close to somebody, uh, be careful, be aware of, of your surroundings, and uh, just try to um, kind of keep your hands clean, don't touch your face after you've touched several things. So that is sort of fundamental good practice, in my opinion, and then if there's a way in which we can try to ensure that the air coming out of the ductwork in a building or uh, through a lot of these popular um, uh, wall-mounted ductless systems, uh, you know, if they're clean, then, because uh, they just recirculate air, they, they either make it warm or cold, um, then we can kind of help a building owner or the occupants uh, more so feel safe and secure. Um, that's existing building, so if you just do plain quality maintenance on your system and make sure that whatever is, is operating is operating properly, that's at least half the battle so that you don't have to worry about um, mold or bacteria or mildew um, or kind of like dirty socks smelling air. Um, that's first and foremost. And then as far as upgrading or enhancing, there's technology um, and there's two basic uh, competitors, if you will, as far as style of technology that's out there um, that can be essentially installed in any kind of an existing HVAC system, whether it's in a commercial building or a residential building that, that has a central air system. Um, the two main technologies are uh, one is called ultraviolet light and the other is called bipolar ionization. Now the ultraviolet, uh, that's interesting you mentioned that because the New York City Transit Authority, uh, the MTA down there, uh, they're, they're using ultraviolet to sanitize subway cars. Uh, yep. And uh, the other um, technology you mentioned, uh, does, does that have to, have to do uh, with uh, getting uh, particles to fall out of the air? Exactly. Wow, you sound well. You sound well professed in our industry. <laughs> yeah. So bipolar ionization is essentially a process where uh, there's electricity electricity charges put into the airstream, and there's positive and negative charges that essentially attach to each other, uh, and, and it works for about sixty seconds after it's uh, um, kind of put into the airstream, and it basically attacks particles. Or, or VOCs, vol, vol, I always have a problem with the first word. Volatile vol, organic vol. compounds would be a Thank VOC. you so much, yeah. Peter. I appreciate the... We ham and egg that one. Yeah, yeah so, uh, so um, the, the ultraviolet light is very effective in, on the surfaces that it's shining on. The, the, um, the bipolar ionization, um, we think, is, is a advantageous technology because it continues to work after it, it passes through that electrical field. I liken it to your air going through a car wash. 
Mm. Suppose that uh, that I'm a building owner, uh, and it's a it's a building that's been up for forty or fifty years, and I call you up and 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 say, "Come on out." Uh, You know, what are you going to look for in the way of existing equipment, and how difficult is it to do upgrades like putting in an ionization system or or uh, retrofitting with ultraviolet light? Yeah, we look at buildings uh, essentially. Well, now we look at them a little bit differently, but. Uh, normal times, we would look at a, a facility uh, from a service and maintenance perspective and see if um, perhaps an older system could work uh, in this day and age in an efficient, uh, practical manner. Um, you know, the adage that uh, they don't make stuff like they used to is, is very true in our industry. And uh, we have systems that are in buildings that are uh, particularly in school districts and whatnot um, over 50 years old, and they work just fine. Um, in fact, they were they were built pretty well. Um, and for you know building code and ventilation requirements, there's really no reason to uh, rip out the uh, the system and replace it with something new. Um, so we look at, at uh, integrity of what's in a building. Uh, we we oftentimes interview whoever's been in that building. Uh, hopefully, somebody in the facilities department that's you know been there for a long time because they'll have somewhat of a history of um, good, bad, or ugly over time, which will lead us into better understanding what we're looking at. And then as far as um, retrofitting, as long as there is uh, a duct distribution system to a degree or um, you you can look at unitary equipment, uh, and I'll give you an example of what that means. Uh, a window air conditioner is a unitary piece of equipment because it's it's one system inside of a box. So you can also consider a, a unit in a hotel that may be under a window that, that has push buttons and a, and a dial for warmer or colder. That's a unitary piece of equipment. A lot of this um, ductless air conditioning like Mitsubishi or Fujitsu or Daikin, um, they make these um, unitary uh, units that uh, are all encased in a um, either a wall mount or a, a ceiling hung um, unit and and to retrofit those things with ionization uh, is fairly simple the uh, the good news is they don't consume much electricity so you can use whatever is powering the unit that you're installing this device in uh, to feed your power supply and then basically it's it's a couple of uh, screws, it's a little bit of time running a wire, and uh, voila, it works. Yeah, most people who uh, own office buildings also live in houses uh, and, yep. and have air conditioning sure. systems. I think most right. people do, anyway. Uh, yep. And um, you know, what lessons can be drawn from what happens uh, in the commercial sector uh, to the private home uh, in, in the way of upgrading? Uh, for example, uh, is there any benefit in, in just going from the cheap uh, $3 air filter to, to an expensive HEPA filter or something? Something like that. Yeah, um, HEPA just stands for high efficiency pleated air. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's just a fancy acronym for um, an extended surface of filtration. It kind of looks like an accordion. Um, so basically, it's it's a matter of how much uh, dirt you may be uh, or dust um, generating in your living space, and then how much of that you're willing to 
have fall on surfaces so that you have to dust every week, or how much of that you would like to capture in a filter. So the, the higher the, uh, the rate of filtration, the dirtier it's going to get in the quicker amount of time. Um, with an HVAC system that's a central design with, with ductwork in a home, uh, ionization works pretty effectively. Um, because it's essentially a technology that's built in lots of different sizes. That's why we're so excited about it, because it's almost like one size fits all. And the once you put in that ionization system, the, the beauty of it is that there's no side effects such as odor, um, but there's a lot of benefits, such as, to your point earlier, it takes particles in the space and it kind of glues them together and as that occurs, they become bigger. And the air is still moving them because they're microscopic to, a, a, you know, a, a, to the naked eye, if you would. Um, but they'll travel back to your fan and hit that filter. And, and as they've clung together, now they become bigger. So the filter will catch them as opposed to letting some of it pass through. So in my opinion, to answer your initial question about filtration, yes. Buy the better filter. However, I, I caution people because uh, it's been suggested early on during this COVID thing that we all trans, uh, transfer the existing filtration level from essentially something called a MERV-8, which is M, it's a, an acronym, M-E-R-V, number 8, up to a MERV-13, because the 13 would catch particles that the COVID bacteria apparently is the size of. Or it was uh, related to, you know, what, what fluid comes out when we sneeze or cough. But it, if, you, with, if you do that, can it uh, damage your system? Can it, it, yeah, well, it the, cause the it to, to work over time? Can, yeah, that's exactly right. It, it can create in some systems too much of a pressure drop once the filter starts to grab particles that you might be causing more problems than yourself. Mm. Um, the good thing with the uh, ionization is once the, the dust stuff clings together, you can essentially turn a MERV-8 performing filter into an equivalent of a MERV-13 because the dust particles are big. So it's capturing that much more dirt or dust that's coming back or more VOCs uh, from your space. And what message do you have uh, to people who may be uh, going back to the office uh, in the coming weeks for the first time in a long time uh, and are uh, breathing the air? Um, again, going back to trying not to uh, be over-worrisome because I really don't know um, where this bacteria lives in an existing building. I go back to just practice. Hold on one second. Yeah. I'll be done in a few minutes. Sorry, Peter. I have dogs, and we had to do a little uh, communicating. <laughs> okay. Um, no it it is. Um, <laughs> we're reoccupying our building now, and and I'm putting this ionization system in because I want to walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, but I'm. We've had a whole plan built for um, following CDC guidelines. And the air that we breathe um, has always had stuff in it, and people that suffer from allergies have suffered, and 
Um, the odors that are, are spread around, we've dealt with for whatever reason, and sometimes you walk into a building and it feels a little bit cleaner than another building um, because it's got better ventilation rates. So that stuff isn't really going to change without paying more attention to either design or operation. Um, as far as walking into a building today that hasn't been occupied in a little while, I would exercise caution in the beginning until an occupant found out um, if and whether anything has been looked at, addressed, um, paid attention to, just from, as I said earlier, a quality maintenance point of view so that they can knock a bunch of stuff off the list that they would have to worry about, um, then the next level would be um, exercise caution. Again, the ionization thing does not guarantee that it's going to zap the coronavirus in a building. Uh, however, there are a lot of side benefits. Mostly, um, it's not going to allow mold to grow. And the beauty about killing mold in a building, because we've done this business for a long time and there's a lot of mold remediation contractors in the marketplace, and, and I'm not trying to steal their, their business model, but mold is um, kind of a nasty thing. And the fact that it's a living organism, um, once it starts growing and you don't know about it, it, it sort of becomes a runaway train. So the side benefit of this whole uh, ionization thing is you're not going to have a mold problem. That's a guarantee. Mm. Good. Um, but how long have you been uh, in the HVAC business? Well, Peter, I have two, uh, <laughs> two ways to answer that question. Well, I don't mean to talk too much, but... Um, I grew up in this industry, so I started working as a part-time uh, boss son, if you will, at the age of 13. I took a few years off because I didn't want to go into it as a full-time career after I got out of college. And then because I wasn't happy and not in the right uh, career path, I uh, discovered that I was kind of wired to do this. So uh, The second entree has been uh, 31 years. Okay. Um, and so in, in your 31 years, how do you rank this COVID situation? Have you ever seen anything like it before? No. There was something in the 1980s that uh, flourished out of Florida called sick building syndrome as new buildings were being built with windows that couldn't uh, open. And that was probably the closest thing to what's going on now, next to maybe... Legionnaire's disease. Legionnaire's disease is probably the first thing that had a major impact on our industry as far as um, oversight, regulation, and compliance requirements. Join us again for Westfair Business Buzz. 